0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This is Open for Business. I'm Christine Wong. We Malaysians love celebrating our culture at every opportunity, especially our food. We love eating it, talking about it, writing about it, and even collecting food memorabilia. Joining me in the studio today is miniature creator Ling Huiyin, founder of Tiny Pink, to
1: discuss her long-running venture in creating teeny tiny token versions of local cuisine. I'm Ling. I have been doing this for about 12 years by now. I started this when I was first year in college. This is like my full time right now. Right. And so how did you initially discover this uh, talent and passion for creating miniature uh, clay Uh, items um so it was pretty stressful uh back when i was in college Mm because i was studying um multimedia design so basically we had to like do a lot of crazy assignments which really drains my energy out so i just needed an outlet so i just um went on youtube then i just looked for things to do i came across a youtube video it's actually a, a girl showing you how to make miniature food that was, like, very interesting. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, yeah, then uh, I discovered the medium polymer clay. And so that's how it started, mm. So what about uh, polymer clay makes it the right medium for you? I actually tried different kinds of clay uh, before this. It was just, like, something to do to pass time. When we were very young, we played with plasticine. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I moved on to air-dry clay, which is, like, paper clay that dries up very fast. And... It's very hard to uh, create very tiny and intricate details, Mm. unless you get the very expensive clay. But back then, I could only afford the very cheap clay, so uh, details were not there. So I found out about polymer clay, and it was very interesting, because you can work on a certain piece of art for weeks, for months, for years,
0: Mm. and it will not
1: harden. I see. Okay. Unless you put it into the oven. Right, right. So at least it allows you that uh, amount of flexibility and also that ability to do those little
0: tiny details as well, right? With, yes, with that correct. Sort of really interesting. Now, as we've sort of touched on a little bit so far, uh, the main thing that you offer are these miniature polymer clay versions of local food. I mean, off the top of my head, you know, you've got like tiny durians and, you know, tiny guays and stuff like that that you sell Um, and these can either sort of be uh, on their own or they can be attached to some sort of accessory, like an earring or a keychain or something like that, right? So, you know, tell me a little bit about, I mean, this started like a kind of creative outlet for you. At what point did it go from that to becoming something that you profited from?
1: It actually started out as a hobby. Then I was sharing it with my classmates. And then one of my uh, classmates, she just asked me to create something for her. Then I was like, oh, this is interesting. I, I, I could create something then in return i'll get like a little bit of pocket money because back then my parents didn't really give me a lot okay
0: <laughs> you All know
1: right. it's it's like a struggling artist kind of concept right so right i was like okay this is um pretty cool because you get to like earn some um some pocket like cash s- yes like slight hustle yeah, kind of thing. yeah yeah then i was like oh very interesting maybe i can do this um as a part-time job thing Yeah, then um, it started from there. Mm. Now you've said that this is
0: your full-time thing. So then when did that transition happen from it being like a side hustle to becoming your main endeavour?
1: Because as I mentioned, I studied design, right? Mm -hmm. So the the first thing that came to mind was I must work as a designer first. Right. (laughs) If not, it's a waste of money. Asian <laughs> mentality, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so That's it's, like some cost fallacy
0: right there. Like you spend so much time and resources yes. on this, you have to keep going.
1: Yes, and I think it's a very good idea to at least work, uh, for a few years, mm. um, from what you studied, lah. Right, right. So right. it's actually first worth the money. Second, you can gain some experience, mm. and third, you can really fact check if you really like this. As a full-time job or not? Sure, yeah. Yeah, so I was a digital designer for, I think, um, two years here and there, uh, jumping between companies. And then um, on my last job, I specifically went for a printing company Mm. because I wanted to learn about prints. Right. Yeah, because the digital and the printing side is like totally different. Mm -hmm. So I thought that that would benefit me if I learned more about printing stuff for Tiny Ping, Right. Um, but then, I was already planning, okay, maybe I'll go full-time for Tiny Ping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's actually a step-by-step thing. Right. So, But you did sort of have that little base and you
0: wanted to get that uh, experience, you know, in a sort of traditional work life, I suppose, and then only you sort of thought, okay, this has taken off to the point where
1: this could be sustainable for me as a solo venture. Um... At first, when I started, it wasn't sustainable at all. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it was just based on passion. Mm. Yeah, just purely on passion. Because I was thinking, um, okay, if this doesn't make it right, then at least I I still can go back to be a designer, mm. so I was thinking. Uh, let's you have just... a backup plan. Yes, I have a backup plan. <laughs> you always have a backup plan true, when you true. start something new. Mm. Yes, so I was thinking. Okay, I was, I was still, I'm still young. Then maybe if this doesn't turn out to be what it is, mm-hmm. then I can just go back to being a designer. But now it
0: has taken off, and you've now been doing this, you know, full time for a while. Um, and so, from here, I would like to talk a little bit about the. Uh, uh, the production process of these things now you from my understanding hand make almost all or all of these products is that right yes from scratch from scratch and as I mentioned before when I say these are tiny they are you know the size of like one section of a finger kind of levels of (laughs) tiny Um, so you know that requires a lot of detail uh, attention to detail you know and it's hand created as well I mean Give me a rough idea of the production process, you know, um, from, you know, inception of the idea to the finished product.
1: Um. So from ideation, it's it's just from food that actually sparks joy. <laughs> it, that reminds me of childhood or, you know, like holds, something that holds memory, something like that. Mm. Yeah, so it's it's basically like, oh, my dad bought this or my mom bought this. I'm like, very interesting. Maybe I can try to make this mm. or I'll just put it on hold because... Maybe it could be very difficult to make. Right. So I'll have to, like, really find ways in my head, how how am I going to execute this? Right, like, how would you create, like, this certain shape or this certain, yes. like,
0: texture yes. or, you know, maybe it's, like, a maybe a colour issue, like, you need to hit a specific colour or something like that. Like, you need to kind of shape that in your head for a bit first before you decide to take it on as a, a concrete project. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then from there, how long does it take you to, on average, to create a miniature?
1: Um... Something from scratch that I've not made before could mm-hmm. take from one hour to eight hours or days or weeks. The longest was about two weeks. Ooh, okay. Yeah, because because when you try something new, yeah. You you I ha- have to try on the color first. Right. If the color doesn't hit right so it's a trial and error process, so that's why
0: that's yes, so very... Yes, it's a lot of trial and error. I see, I see. And, you know, are you still doing this all completely by yourself or do you now have some form of, you know, either automation or some extra hands to help you with this process?
1: I do have some extra hands to help me, but uh, they're mostly they are doing, like, very basic things, mm-hmm. like assembling the accessories or... Um, packing things right but so, the crafting itself is yes, all you it has to be me It has to be you. <laughs> Yeah. unless it's something very simple like right. just cutting out shapes or mixing colors right then i'm like um i'll leave
0: this to you <laughs> then but i'll for just the do the detail work you want to get in there and do that yourself
1: i have to because you have to. it's it's tiny pink it's mm-hmm. not tiny pink and coal oh. You, you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. No, 100%. Mm. So, I mean, how do you, you know, how is that sustainable for you, I mean, to basically have to be responsible, right, for all of that detail work and, you know, where other people, for example, they might say, I, you know, why like that? I mean, uh, why don't you teach other people how to do it? Why don't you outsource more? Why don't you take on more staff? You know, how do you respond to those sorts of uh, thoughts?
1: Um, it actually started as a as a hobby, then yeah. turned to passion, So, I don't find it right if I pass it on to someone and say, you do it for me. This is your baby. Correct. This is my baby. It's like you don't pass your baby to someone and you ask them to take care of them for you forever. Right. Yeah. It's more like a trusting issue. Yeah, because I have to control the quality, mm-hmm. I have to control the outcome. Mm. So people buy things from me, it's because that they know it comes from my hand.
0: Right. Right. And so where you, I guess, supplement that is with that support staff, in a way, is with all the lo- logistics and packing and, you know, applying those accessories. That's sort of where you can at least balance out that delegation of your workload. Yes, yes. I see. All right, fantastic. Uh, now, I do want to talk a little bit uh, about uh, pricing, you are also on various social media platforms and I did see fairly recently on your TikTok. Someone complained and was like, these are really expensive. Yeah. Um. And, uh, you know, technically speaking, uh, taking a look at the rough pricing, um, you know, this can get quite pricey in the sense uh, you have, for example, some laksa, miniature laksa things that can go up to 150 ringgit or even, you know, at the very least, you've got like kind of a 70 to uh, 80 ringgit kind of rough baseline Mm -hmm. Um, and your response on TikTok was do you know how long it takes me to do this (laughs) so (laughs) so, tell me a little bit about that and how you've actually uh, you know justified your pricing what's the like model you use or you know what goes into the calculation of that uh, final cost
1: Mm. so um, pricing right now from a few years back is not really much Mm difference although inflation hits us like crazy right but still I couldn't inflate my prices (laughs) Yeah, so it's it's actually a very um tough spot for miniature artists, mm. especially the ones um the other artists that are making similar things to mine. We often have conversation on Instagram or like any social media platforms. Um I make friends with few uh artists around the world. So there's one in Singapore that I'm really close to then. She we were talking about we were discussing about how how long are we gonna stay in this in this um, business, mm. cause it's it's really very tiring, and um, polymer clay is actually very hard. It's very tough. So when we work in batches, we really have to like use a lot of of like hand strength, and our fingers will get very painful. It is a physical endeavor, yeah. Yes, it's it's really very tiring and very painful. Mm. So in the long run, it will it will give me like very bad hand cramps or very ha- very bad hand pains mm. and stuff like that um on top of that it's the hours we put in so sometimes uh i will i will get uh complaints from it's like from the guy on tiktok he will say um he or she will say oh it's very expensive but i th- i feel like it's um I, I mean, it's also
0: the it's the labor, it's the hours worked, it's the physical effort you put into it. It's also the fact that you do this all by yourself. You're not like we mentioned earlier. You're not outsourcing any of this. Correct, work. correct. And like that, all has to go into like the final you know consideration of how much time have I spent on this too.
1: Yeah, and I feel like it's it's um, my part to educate the public about mm. this, and I think I, I did quite an okay job. Because I started my social media, my Instagram account for I think like quite some some time already, many mm-hmm. years already. So from there I um show my process, I tell people what goes behind um my miniatures, how right. how 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 I make it and stuff like that. Then they kinda understand. Then I started doing workshops. Then by the end of the workshop, I will ask them, so how would you price your your miniatures then they will be like it's priceless I'm not going to sell it I'm like right. now you know now you know <laughs> yeah I right. think it's a, it's a it's more like educating um, mainly Malaysians mm. on how to appreciate uh, local artisan work uh, we do have to take a short break for some messages but after that I will continue my conversation
0: with Ling Hui Yin founder of Tiny Pink to continue talking about her Malaysian miniatures do stay tuned to BFM 89.9 bulldozing fine measures bfm 89.9 the business station you're listening to open for business i'm christine wong and today with me is ling hui yin founder of tiny pink she creates these miniature items that can be earrings or accessories or keychains and whatnot and they're all based on things from a Malaysian culture. Some of them are not but the majority are uh especially our local food. Before the break we talked a little bit about how she even stumbled upon this particular hobby in the first place as well as how she addresses those who claim that her products are too expensive even though they are artisan miniatures. Going along with the pricing element that we talked about before the break, um have you, you know, uh, tried to find any sort of external funding or are you totally still running on your own uh, cash flow cycle right now?
1: Definitely by my own. Mm. Yeah, I, I was actually offered um, some investments from some other third parties. Uh, they were interested to in- invest, but I said no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why? I, I want a creative freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or else I will be cornered into, you know, uh, doing this, doing that, things that I didn't want to... I might as well go back to being a digital designer. Right. So you don't right. want
0: to be you don't want to be beholden to uh, other people's wants if they do have a stake in 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 your in the company through investment essentially. Correct. Interesting. Yeah. And so through that, as you mentioned, you you've sort of uh, diversified your business model a little bit. Uh, obviously, you do have the retail side of things where you have these products and they can be you know made to order and, and stuff like that. Uh, you also mentioned before the break that you do workshops as well where you teach uh, people how to create these miniatures. And an interesting thing I would like to bring up is you have a Patreon. Now, for those who don't know, uh, Patreon is a platform where uh, basically people can subscribe to you. And as a result, they'll get sort of exclusive content. Uh, And primarily, this is used by uh, content creators, uh, you know, YouTubers or social media influencers. Um, And you have that and you have included a miniature food subscription subscription. Uh, as part of your Patreon uh, offering. So tell me about, first of all, why you decided to start a Patreon, and second of all, what's the thought process behind this sort of subscription model as well?
1: Um, The reason why I started was actually very interesting. Um, I started Patreon quite some time ago. I think it was like, at least for five years ago, mm. so I was quite worried and scared that something like COVID would happen. Oh, Okay. Yeah, so I was thinking this is quite an interesting platform because if you make it big, you can get a very steady this, income. These are dedicated flow of to,
0: uh, people, right? You know, so they they subscribe to you. It's not just a one-off uh,
1: purchase. Correct. Correct. Mm. So it will create this uh, steady flow of income for me, which I think it's it gives me a lot of like. Uh, safe feelings. <laughs> right. No, 100%. Yeah. It actually took me a lot of time to actually educate my audience and to promote about it. So, it took quite some time for it to grow. Mm-hmm. Even now, it's still growing. Right. It, it's still pretty small. The community is... My community is pretty small. So, it's, it's still going to take some time for it to grow until, to the number that I, I really want. Right. But, so, what exactly is included in the subscription model as well? Um. So, uh, Patrons get to choose if they want to receive earrings, charms, or just the miniature itself. Mm. So it's like, um, they don't get to choose what they, they will receive. Right, but the nature the, of the item, they can, la, but not the design. Correct, correct. They don't get to choose the design. Mm. So it's actually up to me. If I feel like making this, uh, this month, I'll be like, oh, very interesting. Okay, maybe I should make this. Mm. And it's actually pretty, um, It it's like... Uh, it's like pretty good for me as well because I find it like it forces me to create something new every month. Right, and that's also great because I think sometimes as well with
0: creative endeavors, there is that sort of um, imaginative burnout that you can sometimes run into where you don't have something new to to keep that spark of inspiration going. Right.
1: Yeah, but mm. um, there's the good part and the bad part about <laughs> Patreon. Right. So it's like when I feel very um inspired like i want to create this i want to create this i can just throw it on the patreon Mm. but there are times when i feel like burnout i had the worst burnout last year and i didn't feel like creating anything but i was already like oh they need to receive something this (laughs) month so i was like i have to push myself through then i didn't like the the miniatures because they don't really look as nice i think you know when
0: you're creating anything whether it's you know art or food or anything like that when there isn't that sort of passion behind it or that that spark, you can sort of tell in the final product sometimes. Yes, definitely. Mm, yeah. Okay. But at least, you know, I think that's a really interesting element to your business that, uh, you know, is very unheard of, I would say, in the sort of retail community and that space as well. So that's really interesting. Uh, now, also, I do want to point out that uh, all of this is being done online. You've got an online store. You've got, uh, I believe, an Etsy store uh and then you have this patreon stuff you see, you occasionally do some pop-ups and things like that i uh, i believe as well but uh, you know talk to me about thoughts on a uh, brick and mortar presence at all if you have any
1: i see um i actually had a a collect a group mm-hmm. so it's like a collective of artists that we call uh the brand is called suma suma mm-hmm. so it's actually uh, used to be 9 to 10 of us then we had a we had a pop up store in GMBB, few years back before uh MCO mm-hmm. before COVID hits. Um, that was our first store, and uh, actually way before that, I was in a pop up store in Publica. Mm-hmm. It was right outside at the Art Row. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a, in a I was I was with a different group of friends, and I had the experience of um, having like a a real shop, having my products inside, it, it's actually very tiring. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you have to, you have to really um, have the money mm. to, uh, what do you call that? Like to, the overhead costs and stuff like that. Yeah, you need to have the money to hire someone mm. or if you don't hire someone, you have to be there yourself. And then uh, you have to decorate the place, you have to make it very nice and presentable, you have to find ways how to um set up the store very nicely, how to attract people. So it's actually a lot of work. Mm. It's very tiring. Right. <laughs> I still prefer the the online. Correct. The mm. online stores or the usual um Markets or pop up stores, right. which only last for let's say a few days. So
0: basically, you're you're someone who's not
1: inclined to be their own salesperson in a way. <laughs> I really hate it. <laughs> I'm not an extra. I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm an introvert. You, you you
0: prefer to be the uh behind the scenes creator rather than you know putting yourself out there on the floor and doing that whole thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't mind. St- I don't mind um, selling my things. But, in like, person. in short bursts and not so much a long-term thing. Yeah, but I'm not the kind of person to actually push for sales. Right. Like, like um, check this out, this kind of stuff. Like, I won't do this kind of thing. I'll mm. just sit there or stand there. Unless you're interested, then I'm like, how can I help you? Right, right. Yeah.
0: And this actually is great because this ties into my next question uh, about another platform that you use that I think is um, an interesting choice. Uh <laughs> So you communicate with your customers, with the people who enjoy your work. Um, all You know, of course, through Instagram and TikTok and, you know, like we mentioned, you have these social media platforms. You also have a Discord. Uh, again, for people who don't know, uh, Discord is a sort of chat uh, platform where you can also do calls and stuff like that. But it's also sort of... Um, You can almost create like little forums on it as well, that sort of thing. Um, And again, Discord is one of those platforms (laughs) that uh, primarily you associate with content creators. They, you know, a lot of, for example, Twitch streamers have uh, uh, Discord or stuff like that. Um, So tell me a bit about that. You know, why choose this form of communication or this platform um, to create uh, and to facilitate your community?
1: um discord is actually a backup plan for instagram okay in case instagram goes down yeah because my instagram followers have been dropping like crazy interesting okay yeah i mean why do
0: you think that is do you think there is more of a shift towards like
1: you know platforms like discord and stuff like that instagram is getting very bad yeah um the engagement is really low and it seems like everyone is um shifting towards tiktok or Mm -hmm. other platforms That's also one of the reasons why I actually opened a TikTok account. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Discord's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. You get to have a lot of uh, instant feedbacks from your followers, which I quite enjoy it. So when I have questions or I'm very unsure about things that I'm going to do, I'll just ask for advice right there. Okay, so there's a
0: bit more of a kind of live feed feel to Discord that you don't really get that sort of live interaction with uh, Instagram, maybe you would say.
1: Yeah, because mm. Instagram is a very fast, fast-paced um, right platform. Mm-hmm. So people will just scroll, 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 or just tap, 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 and things like that. So when you're asking for very genuine uh, feedback, some will give very like short answers, or they might pass some very it weird by. answers, or right. they're not sincere about it. Right. Yeah.
0: Okay. Really interesting. You know, now you've you've got this all off the ground. The pandemic is sort of, sort of, kind of half winding down, or at least we are. Heading into uh, treating it, uh, you know, as an endemic situation. Um, so tell me what you have planned for the future. What next is there to do? And like you said, you know, uh, do you think that Tiny Pink
1: will continue to be sustainable for you? good um, question. I really don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seeing how the economy and how things are going, I would say it's a pretty good um, outlet to distress. If I'm not going for the money aspect. Mm. If I'm not um, relying Tiny thing 100% on um, getting getting my salary every month, then mm. yes, it's a very good thing. It's a, Tiny Pink is a very good brand to continue. So um, I'm slowly finding um, for other ways to have a more sustainable income.
0: You're still thinking about what to do. It's an open field for you at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. All right. Fantastic. Well, that brings us to the end of our conversation. Thank you so much, Ling, for speaking to me all about Tiny Pink today. Thanks, Christine. You've been listening to Open for Business. I'm Christine Wong. I've been speaking to Ling Huiyin, founder of Tiny Pink, to discuss her long-running venture in creating teeny tiny token versions of local cuisine and much more. If you have missed any of this interview today, you can, of course, head over to our app. It's available on the Apple App Store and Google Play. And we also... Have a handy-dandy website, bfm.my, where you can listen to this podcast and many more. This is BFM 89.9.
1: You have been listening to a
0: podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.